I'm thankful that he's been faithful to all of his promises. How many promises he's kept? We're in the third night. And uh, the Lord been dealing me on a message uh, today. And uh, I want to preach what God's put upon my heart tonight. Anytime you have a true revival, there'll be decisions that have to be made. And it won't be everybody looking at everybody going, oh, I hope they make a decision, or I hope they make a decision. It'll be decisions that each one of us have to make. And the decision tonight is this, what's, what's this, what's this revival going to go? And how's it, how is it going to go? And where is it going to go? We're, 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 we're about halfway right there, if the Lord will, and Lord deal, in, in dealing with all that. And so now it's time. What, what are we going to do? And what is, See, you won't really know if you, you will not know if you've had revival until about six months from now. We had revival in our church about 10 years ago. It's still going. What happened in that service, the people that changed in that service, the young people that changed in that service, the young married people that changed in that service, it keeps going on. A lot of them things that happened then, they're Sunday school teachers now and they're deacons now. And they're doing, there's a lot of things that happen in revivals that changes families. Not only does it change families, it changes churches and it changes generations to come. I've been around church all my life and uh, uh, I've actually seen, I, I've been in a lot of meetings, I've actually seen about three revivals. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've been in a lot of series of meetings, but I've seen about three revivals. Revival will keep on going. Revival won't stop when this stops. It'll keep on going, and it'll change this church. But then along with that, there's decisions that has to be made. So now we're going to get, we've been, uh, we've been, we've been uh, uh, just plowing a little bit, and now we're going to be able to plow a little bit deeper. And we're going to get to where the rubber meets the road because now we've got to decide what are we going to do with what God wants to do. So I want you to pray for us. And I, I, I pray that I, I've asked the Lord all day, Lord, I want to be in your will. I, don't want, I, I would rather not preach tonight than to preach out of his will. If you would, I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 32. Appreciate the liberty I've had here. It ain't, it ain't always like that everywhere. But I thank God for the liberty. I thank God for the people that's praying. I'll let you know, I've been getting texts all day long. These people praying all over the place for this meeting. They may not be here, but there's a lot of people praying for you. There's a lot of people praying for me, and there's a lot of people praying that God's going to move in a mighty way again tonight. But Numbers chapter 32, I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to be reading verses 25 through 33. Numbers chapter 32 Verses 1 through 5, and then we'll go to verses 25 through 33. Now, you're going to have to keep your Bible with you tonight. We're going to be going, uh, Lord willing, we may, be, uh, we may be moving around a little bit so you can see. And I believe the message will show, and God's Word will show you where we're heading tonight. So keep your Bible with you. But if you stand in honor of God's Word, stand in honor of the reverence of God's Word, if you're willing and able to, if not, follow along with us. Numbers chapter 32, beginning in verse 1. Verse 1 says this. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. 
the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth and Dibon and Jazer and Nimrah and Heshbon and Elilay and Shebam and Nebo and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, now that's, that's the, uh, the Reubenites and the Gadites here speaking to Moses, if we found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession. Look at these last six words. And bring us not over Jordan. And bring us not over Jordan. Don't bring us over Jordan. Let us have on this side of Jordan. But don't bring us over. Look at verse 25. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben spake unto Moses, saying, Thy servants will do as my Lord commandeth. Look what he says. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our cattle shall be there in the cities of Gilead. But thy servants will pass over every man armed for war before the Lord to battle, as my Lord saith. So concerning them, Moses commanded Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the chief fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. And Moses said unto them, If the children of Gad and the children of Reuben will pass with you over Jordan, every man armed to battle before the Lord, and the land shall be subdued before you, that ye shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. But if they will not pass over with you armed, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answered, saying, As the Lord has said unto thy servants, so will we do. We will pass over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, that the possession of our inheritance on this side Jordan may be ours. And Moses gave unto them, even to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, and unto the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sion, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land with the cities thereof in the coast, even the cities of the country round about. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Father, for your word. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, Father, for the warning of your word. Father, I thank you that everything that the Holy Ghost has pinned down in these 66 books, Lord, is from you. Father, there's nothing errant about it, Lord. There's nothing that's, 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 that, that's wrong with everything that we have. Everything we need is in your word. Father, your word speaks. Father, the text speaks for itself. And, Father, I pray tonight, God, that I would do and say everything you'd have me to say. I'd do no more, Father. I don't want to do anything to hinder what you're doing here at this church. But, Father, I want to do what you'd have me to do. And, Father, I want us to see, dear Heavenly Father, that there's decisions we have to make in life. And those decisions are so important, Lord, not only to ourselves, not only to our families, not only to this church and community, but to the generations to come. Father, I pray, Lord, with your help through the Holy Spirit, you'll speak to each heart. Father, I pray tonight you'd speak to my heart. Father, I thank you for the Holy Ghost. I thank you for your word. And, Father, I thank you for each one that's here. Lord, have your way in this place. Father, give us liberty. Lord, I pray, God, tonight, if you would. Father, I pray that you'd bind the devil, Father, tonight. Father, I pray that you'd bound up the strong man. And, Father, you'd put a hedge around this church. Father, there'd be no pride, there'd be nothing, Lord, in any way, Lord, in myself or anybody else that would mess this up. But your will would be done, Father. 
In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt. They'd been there 400 years. God delivered them out of there. And, and they'd wandered in the wilderness because of their unbelief. They'd wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years they'd wandered trying to get over what was one day's journey, and they made it back 40 years later. And they're ready to enter the promised land. They're ready to go forward. They're ready to, they're ready to be given exactly, now listen to me, church, they're ready to be given exactly what God wants them to have and what is rightfully theirs. Sometimes we as church, you know what? We forgot that we ought to be possessing our possessions. There's a lot of things that we'd have a whole lot more of if we'd just take what God's given us already. The whole promised land's theirs. Land flowing with milk and honey. They're going to go in and they're going to live in homes they didn't build. They're going to eat of vineyards they didn't grow. They're going to eat of the fruit of the vine. They're going to have, they're going to have grapes that one state could hold up one cluster. They've got all that coming to them. God says it's yours. There's nobody to take it from you. Go in and possess on the other side of Jordan. They're heading that way. They've conquered the Amorites and that land is before Jordan, and they're getting ready to go in. All that's left is this. All that's left is they have to cross over and enter into the promised land. That's it. But there's, this, uh, there's a decision made by some of the leaders of the nation of Israel. Some of the tribes, two of them or two and a half of them, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, they, they decide that they like the land east of the Jordan. It's kind of like when Lot liked the, uh, he liked the plains of, of, of Jordan right there, and, the plain, and toward the end he pitched his tent toward where? Toward Sodom and Gomorrah, right? The, the tribe said, the, the Reubenites and the Gad said, we like it right here. So let us just stay here. It's good for our cattle. So let us stay on the east side of the Jordan, and you all go on over and get what God has in store for you. Now just stay with me. We're going to get where we're going. They got a lot of cattle, and, and it's good for raising, and they, they've been delivered. They've made it through the wilderness. They've came to the, the edge of the promised land. They see it, and, and, they, and they say, you know, and, they, and they're ready to go over. But they go to Moses and they say, bring us not over. <laughs> there may be some of you here tonight, they may be one, they may be myself, they may be any, they may be all, I have no idea. But we're going to have to make a decision what we're going to do in this meeting. We're going to have to decide which side of the Jordan we're going to end up living on. It's going to be uncomfortable. I know it is because I tell you what, I've been there. I've been on both sides of this Jordan. I've been, I've been, I've been all in, I've been all out, and I've been half in and half out. Boy, it's going to get quiet, ain't it? I mean, the Lord already told me it was. I ain't preaching nothing. I ain't preaching my home church. It don't matter. They got quiet too. <laughs> 
Many want the Lord. Many want the blessings of the Lord. Many want to be saved. Many want to heaven. Many want to be forgiven. Many want grace. Many want mercy. And they'll go so far, but they ain't going to get all in. They, they'll get, they're going to decide. And so, you know what? I, 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 know, I know exactly how that is, and, and, they, and they're going to get all in. So we're going to have to figure out tonight, and when we leave here tonight, we're going to have to figure out, are we going to get all in? Are we going to get all out? Because whatever that does tonight may make a big difference on what goes on the rest of this week. You say you're going to make you say that we ought to be faithful. You saying you want us? You say that you want me to be all in to serve Jesus? Yeah. People say that's boring. I ain't never bored. I ain't been bored and ever since I started. I ain't never. Hey, you want to let? Hey, you read the God's word. You, you know what? If you want an exciting life, just start serving God because you don't know what's going to happen. I got a phone call last night at quarter to twelve. You never know what's going to happen serving God. So before you get all nervous on me, I'm nervous. I, y'all all probably get y'all nervous too. I'm nervous every time I preach. They were okay to settle on the border. <laughs> but they say, we ain't going all in. <laughs> but understand something, it's, ne- it's not, they, settling on that border was never where God wanted them to be. Never wanted to be in the high fin, high foul. I tell you, God is wanting people to be all in. All in. All in. You know what? When I started doing, when I was living on both sides of it, I, I tell you what I was. I was a chameleon. I was an actor. I had, hey, I could put on my, I could put on my Sunday, I could put on my Sunday face. And then I could go out and I could sit there and I could take that mask off and set it up and I could live in the world. I could be in church one night and I could be at the bar the next one. That's what you get when you get half in, half out. I could fit in with anybody. You know what church means? Oh, he's such a good guy. Then, they'd say, then the other crowd saying, man, you go to church? You know how it is. You see them at work. You see them. You see them everywhere. They're everywhere. They change my, wherever they are. They just put their mask on. You just mask each way. It's like a, you know you got a coat rack in your garage. It's like you just grab a mask. Where are we going to prayer meet? Let me get this mask. Where are we going? Oh, we're going out tonight. Ain't nobody going to see what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to get that mask on. We can play anything we want to play. I'm asking you tonight. You're going to get all in. What what side of Jordan you going to live on? We're getting where we're going. First one is this. One is disobedient to the Lord when they're living on the edge of the Jordan. 
They were disobedient to what God would have them to do. God said, I've promised the land to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to all the tribes. I'll go in before you. I'll run them out. I'll get rid of them. I'm going to give you. You're not going to have to do anything. You go in, run them out. I'll take care of you. And I'm going to give you something you don't deserve, just what Jesus Christ has done for me. Give me something I have never deserved. You go in. You take it. I'll be with you. I'll walk with you. Joshua saw that warrior. He said, who are you with? Are you with us or against us? He said, I'm for God. And you get in with God and get in, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. See, they were disobedient. They were going into this land, and, but the tribe of, of Reuben and Gad said, this is good enough. <laughs> we don't want to get in God's will. It's good enough right here. I don't want to get all in. What's my, what's my family going to think if I get all in? What's my wife going to think if I get all in? What's my daddy going to think if I get all in? What's the guys I work with say that I've got all in, and all of a sudden I'm become all these church? You say, listen, you're preaching to the choir tonight. I don't know why I'm preaching this. I'm just preaching what God put on my heart. Say, we're here. We're here. We're, we're the children of God. So was Reuben and Gad. They were God's chosen people, was they not? They may be some of you thinking, no, we're close enough. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to get, I don't need that. Them people, them people they, get, they get to crying and talking about how good God's been to them. That ain't me. At the time, it wasn't me either. There could be 20 people saved. I'd sit there and I wouldn't have shed a tear. Oh, I don't ever get that hard again. I tell you what, I'm going to tell you something. It takes a man to raise a family in this world. It, 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 it takes a mama to raise a family in this world. You're going to have to be tough. You're going to have to be hard-nosed. You're going to have to call it like it is. This in and out, up and down, in and out, on this side, Jordan, this side, that ain't going to do it no more because there's people watching and your kids are watching and your grandkids are watching and my children's watching me. You know what? They don't want to see a daddy that's halfway in, halfway They want to see a daddy that says, this is what it is and I'm going with Jesus no matter what anybody. My, my, oh, my friends, they, they, let, they let their kids stay out. I ain't their daddy. Ain't that right? I tell you what, the heck. we got to be. I tell you, I, me and my wife raised two kids with the Lord's help. And oh, how I prayed that I wouldn't reap what I sowed. Oh, how good God's been to me. But you know what? He called me to be their daddy. He didn't call me to be their best friend. Oh, come here, honey. I know you're doing wrong. Listen. If you ain't, I don't even, I wouldn't even go in this direction. I don't know why the Lord, if you ain't praying for your kids and your grandkids on your face every day, oh, you're missing. You better pray a hedge around them. The devil's out there, and he will tear in, tear out. He don't like your kids. He don't like your grandkids. He don't like these young people here. He don't like that your marriage is going good. He don't like his church. In fact, he hates everything to do with God. And he'll come and get them, and he'll snatch them out. And while, 
And they'll be going out. And they'll be going somewhere. And ain't nobody knows. And we're sitting there and we're looking and we're flipping on our boat or we're sitting there scrolling on our Facebook. Listen, we've got to understand there is a devil and he's an enemy. You say, well, he ain't going to get mine. You'll be the first one to fall. He will run you down. They didn't think he'd get me either, but he got me good. See, what God's people have got to do, we've got to become God's people. All the time. If there's going to be revival, if there's going to be revival in this church house, that revival will start at your house. You realize when everybody leaves here, there ain't nothing going on, right? People act like they come in, flip a switch, and boy, here's God. He's going to meet with us tonight. If he don't come with me and you, he ain't going to be here. So if we ain't having revival, you know what? We need family revivals where daddies and mamas and kids and young people and God will get a hold of people. And I'm going to tell you, if revival sweeps all over our homes, you won't have no problem having revival in the house of God. And you know what it starts with? It starts with me at my house. It's, we ain't going to get nowhere tonight. I ain't even where I'm supposed to be. They, 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 they would rather choose where they wanted to be than where God wanted them to be. I'll go so far. I'll go so far. See, they were disobedient and they're getting ready to pay the price for their disobedience. And I'm going to show you what happens to these tribes. First thing is disobedient the Lord when they live in, on that side of Jordan. They didn't come over the promised land. The second thing was this. There'll be division in our lives if we stay on that side of the Jordan. There'll be division. It never works out right. You notice right here in verse 33 right here, it says right here, and Moses gave unto them, members just Gad and the children of Reuben, it came to him, but Moses gave unto them, even to the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, and unto the half-tribe of Manasseh. Here comes another group. You got the tribe of Gad and the tribe of Reuben. They're the ones that's wanting it, and now there's the half-tribe. A half-tribe. Not the whole tribe, but the half-tribe. There's half of Manasseh says, we want to stay over here on this side of Jordan. The other one says, no, it's the promised land's over there. We got to go. So what happens? The family splits. Listen. I don't know any of y'all, really. I know about three of y'all. Well, about four or five of you. I'm glad, right? So don't say he's preaching right at me because I don't know you. It ain't ever going to work if mama's wanting to go to the promised land and daddy wants to stay on the other side of Jordan. It ain't going to work if daddy says, I'm, I'm going to go in the promised land. Mama says, I, I'm going to stay on this side of the Jordan. It ain't going to work until mama and daddy. See, when there was division in the tribe of Manasseh right here, when that division started right there, guess what? Half of them said, I'll go. Half of them said, I'm not going to go. And the, and the whole tribe is split because everybody didn't decide that they was going to go in. 
You know why a lot of homes are, are busting up? One wants to get in and the other don't. I, if I had a dollar for every time I've had to, that call I got last night. When a family gets in, and mama's in, and daddy's in, and the kids are in, listen, the kids are looking at you saying, where are we going to go? Are we going to live on this side, or are we going to live on this side? You know what, be, you know, people say, oh, you're going to have to stand for God for every time you preach. I'll tell you what, before I was ever a preacher, going all the way back, God said, you'll stand first for your home. See, there's only, they, they, they living on the free. Half of them is in. But look what else. There's cause for discouragement when people begin to live on the edge. When they're living on the edge, turn with me to Judges chapter 7, verse 7. Judges chapter 7, verse 7. Judges 7, verse 7. There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be there's disobedience when you don't cross over the Jordan. There's division that's going to be in the home when you don't cross over Jordan. And there's going to be discouragement when you're living on the edge and you don't want to cross over Jordan. Judges 7, verse 7. says right here, And the Lord said unto Gideon, Lord said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that laughed, I say, See, it goes right on to say right here, I'm in the wrong place. Hold on a minute. I wrote down the wrong thing. Let me make sure I got this right. See, right there's the devil getting all messed up on me. Try Joshua 7, 7. It says right here, And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites and destroy us? He said, So they've come over on the other side of Jordan. They're fighting the Amorites. They're, they Achan is sinned. Ai, they've, they've been defeated at Ai. And Joshua was talking to the Lord. He said, you've brought us over here. Now the Amorites are destroyed. And he says right here at the end of verse 7 there in Joshua, Would to God we had been content and dwelled on the other side of Jordan. You know what he's saying? We've come over here. And you know what? The, the, the Reubenites and the Gadites and, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they're on the other Maybe we should have stayed on the other side of Jordan and that's why we wouldn't be out here in the fight and we wouldn't be able to do what you do. See, if you stay on this side of Jordan, you're going to discourage those that's over on the other side in the promised land that's a fighting. When you decide, I'll stay on this side of Jordan, those that's doing the work, those that's being faithful, those that's doing what God would have them to do. You say, you, are you talking about money and tithing? No, I ain't talking. Hey, I'm going to tell you what. If our heart gets right, our hand gets right. I, I don't worry about that. God owns a cat of a thousand hills. He'll get your money. Whether I ain't worried about that. He's a very rich God. I'm talking about being devoted to God. But you know what's really hard when you're working? I worked a job where I was bivocational about 12 years. You get discouraged when you're fighting the devil and you're trying to do what God would have you to do and everybody and, and you're in there and you say, this is what God's want to do. I'm living in the land of Canaan. I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm fighting. And then you see the guy next to you. I'm good. It's discouraging. Joshua said, I wish we'd have stayed on the other side of Jordan. You know why? 
because the rest of them was living over there and wasn't fighting a battle. You see? How many pastors have I ever talked to and said, man, if everybody, we've all been there. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something, church. Here on out, it's war. From here on out, it ain't for sissies. Here on out, it's, it's hand-to-hand it's hand -hand combat against the devil and against the things in this nation that's getting all turned around. They've turned their back on God. They've turned their back on the Word of God. They're doing what they want to do. They want to have, hey, but you watch something like 9-11 happen again. They'll be seeming amazing grace again on the front steps of the Capitol. When something happens, they turn to God. From here on out, it's war on war. God's people's got to fight for the Savior. You say, you act like we're getting ready. I'm telling you what, we are at war. We're at war. Alcohol is destroying this place. Alcohol is destroying. Drugs is destroying. Homosexuality is destroying. These things coming at us from every angle, and it's trying to get our kids and get our kids messed up. It's getting them all turned around. And I'm going to tell you something. From here on out, we've got to stand by the book, stand on the book. And if nobody, hey, if the other group wants to stay on the other side of the Jordan, get on into the promised land because that's where God wanted us to be from the very beginning. It's better than the promised land. I lived over there with all them crazy people. I'm crazy now, but I'm crazy in a weird way now, right? I've seen everything. I had people come up to me and tell me, well, one, 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 one beer ain't bad. One beer cost me five years. <laughs> they say one beer ain't bad. I, I could tell you stories of what happened to some young ladies that I know because of one beer. So don't, so don't try to tell me all that. I don't, I don't, you tell it somebody never been there. I've seen it. I've seen stuff. I've seen stuff. I can't wait. You know what? Everybody wants a glorified body. I'll tell you what this old boy wants. I want a glorified mind. <laughs> boy, y'all can have, y'all can have glorified legs and arms and that's good. God's going to give us. He's going to give us a glorified body. I need a glorified mind to get rid of some pictures that I've got in picture albums that's in my head. Y'all may not have ever been there. I've, I've looked into a casket. Of, I looked into a 24-year-old casket the other night, of, uh, but I looked into a casket of a roommate. Guess what? Broke his neck, wrapped his car around her. And guess what me and him would talk about? Hey, one ain't going to hurt us, man. We're, we're ready to go. Yeah, you know what that'll do to you? That'll have a mama falling on you. And her calling out her son's name. And you lived with him four years and didn't live in front of him like you needed to do. Don't tell me. Don't, don't try that stuff with me. I'm going to tell you what, it's war from here on out. See, they wanted to stay on that side of the Jordan. They got discouraged. But you know what I found out? There's a, there's a, if you'll stand at your workplace, I promise you, if you're man enough, woman enough, boy enough, girl enough, whatever it is, at school or wherever, if you'll stand at your workplace, there'll be others that'll stand with you. If you're courageous, they'll be out there with you. I found, hey, it just takes one, right? 
It takes one to say, I'm tired of being on this side of the door. I'm going all in for Jesus from here on out. See, not only that, there's a sense of danger when one lives on the edge. When you live on the edge, when you live, when you live and say, I know it's better. I know if I got in, God could really use me if I were just to sail out and get in. But I don't want to give that up. I gave up all my friends, and that hurt. A preacher. A preacher. When that old boy died, you know what they told me? I announced my call to preach. They said, you're a preacher. You're one of the ringleaders of this whole thing. You're a preacher. You know what, you know what Todd had wanted us to do? Todd had wanted us to go out and drink a beer off for him. He's laying there with a broke neck burnt from his waist down, and they got him open, which was good. They all got to see him. And I said, I don't think he'd want to do that right now. He said, oh, you preacher, listen. People are going to make fun of you, young people. At school, they're going to make fun of you. You serve Jesus, you serve God, and there ought to be a mom and daddy at home to say, I'll stand with you. I'll tell you what, if nobody else will stand with you, young people, you call me. I'll go to the, church. I'll go to the school and stand with you. I've done it before. It ain't no, hey, you know what? My God's a big God. I tell you what, I'd stand in front of the president. Who likes to stand in front of the president? <laughs> I'd stand in all of them. They'd like me preach in Congress one day. That'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? Then y'all see me, I'd be arrested. Listen. There's people to stand with you. But I don't want to stand with you on, the, on that side of the Jordan. Oh, I've been there. See? Going to have revival, these decisions got to be made. You say, we want revival. Well, here it is. Revi revival is when decisions are made. Revival is when homes change. Revival is when marriages change. Re revival, revival is in when, when, when that little boy and that little girl says, there's something different going on here. See? Revival, revival, is, revival is when we get where God wants us to be and we see what God's going to do and we see what is so much better living in the promised land than living on the edge Thinking, I'll get in. Sometimes we run in. I tell you, I spent a few years running in and checking it out a little bit, and then I'd run back out. Let me try it out a little bit. Then, I, then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts doing this. I want you to preach. So I taught at youth class. Went into, went into jail, juvenile detention centers. First five ever led to the Lord were sex offenders. You know, I could go in there and talk to them, and I thought, man, this is where I could. <laughs> I was looking around. These people have been thie thieves and people done all kinds of craziness and drugs and everything else. I thought, man, and, and these people, you know what? Here's the difference in them. I said, do you know that you're a sinner? You know what one guy said? That's the only thing, sir, I do know. Showed me all the scars we tried to kill himself. And Jesus gloriously saved him. Tried, I tried to teach then they said, we want you to be a deacon. I thought, Lord, that's awesome. 
I'm driving up that road. My wife goes, you the most miserable guy I've ever seen getting ready to get ordained as a deacon. I just kept driving. You know what she said? She said, you ain't supposed to be a deacon anyway. I just kept driving. And I became a deacon. Well, I wasn't a deacon maybe nine months. And I finally got up one Sunday morning. And I told the Lord, I'm going all in. He said, well, you're the deacon. I wasn't all in. Does that make sense to y'all? Oh, you can be in a position. You, hey, you can be doing all kinds of things. That don't mean I was all in. I wasn't in all the way where God wanted me to be. He wanted me to be preaching the gospel. And I was just trying to get out of Who wants to be a preacher? People say, I'm jealous. Jealous of a preacher? I never wanted to be a preacher. I had an uncle who was a preacher. I had a grandfather who was a preacher. And the last thing I wanted to do, you know what's wrong sometimes? Pastoring people. <laughs> no. I love to preach. But anyway, I did. One Saturday night in a little old trailer we was living in. I got up out of bed. I went to the other end of that trailer, and I got along with the Lord that Saturday night, and I told the Lord. i tell you what, I'd went over. I was, Brother Terry Maven, I'd I worked with him, and he bought stuff. He was a personal agent. And I, I was in sales, and I was going over Old Fort Mountain, going down to, going down to Marion. I came across the crest of the hill right there, and the sun was coming up. And the Lord said, if you don't want to preach, if you don't want to go all in, I'll never ask you again. And my hands started shaking on that, on that car. I thought, I thought, Lord, I'll have to come off the road, and I'm doing real good. I had a territory. I was young, 28. I thought, Lord, this is going to be good. That's my hands for doing it. Look what I've done for you. I saved you. I kept you. You didn't even know how you got home those nights before. And I kept you. I didn't throw you in the slag pile. I didn't throw you off. He said, I'll get you up, put you back on the potter's wheel, and started remolding you. And I can use people that's broken, and you're broken. And the Lord said, I ain't going to ask you again. That with me for two years. I ain't going to ask you again. Do your thing. But later on, you'll beg me to preach. And it ain't going to happen. Now or never. You all in? You're going to get on. You're going to be on this side of the Jordan, or are you going to go all in? That Saturday, I mean, that Saturday night, I got up out of bed and went in there, and I told the Lord, Lord, I don't like speaking in front of people. I really don't know the Bible because I've wasted all these years. But if you'll go with me, I'll try to do the best I can. And I surrendered to preach by myself in that little trailer that night. The next morning, I don't know what the preacher preached on. I was probably about like half of y'all probably asleep. <laughs> no, I wasn't that morning. Nobody came to altar. I had no idea. And I come out of the altar, and I come in, I fell in that altar. And I think I shocked the pastor. And everybody was just looking. And I stood up. I said, I got something to say. And all I want to do is just tell them I was getting all in. 
And I got up. And I said, I've got something I've got to tell y'all. The Lord's been dealing with me. And I said, then we, and there's an old saint of God. I'm her pastor now. She's way up, almost 90. She jumped up and started shouting, and nobody even heard the announcement called the preacher. <laughs> it's like, what do you say? He says he's going to preach. She's over her son. She's crazy. Hey, I'm, I'm around some wide, I'm some wide oak, man. I mean, she's shouting it down. She's, her, feet's, she's, her feet's coming out half of it. She still does every now and then, but it wears her out. Wears me out. Have I been all in since? No. Have I always been all in? No. These times I've halfway done it. These times I've halfway sung, I've halfway preached, I've halfway taught. It's a shame. Are you all in? better keep moving on. I've got one more thing the Lord put on my heart to say to you. This could be the greatest night of your life. You say, well, I'm saved, so that would be, if you're lost, if you're saved, if you get saved tonight and you get all in with Jesus, this will be the greatest night. It'll be, there'll never be that night. The second best night is, is when you go all in. First night's when you get saved. The second is when you say, I become a living sacrifice. Hold acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. You know what about us sacrifices, what we do? Living sacrifices tend to want to crawl off the altar. What happens? Papa, Mama, preachers, deacons, Sunday school teachers, prayer warriors, old, young, high school, middle school, elementary school, 20s, 30s, 40s. What, hap- what, what happens when, I, when you, what, what possibly could happen if you go all in? You can change for generations to come. So what happens, what, happens if, what happens if you choose to say, I ain't going all in, I ain't selling out to Jesus. I've got, I've got my little thing, nobody knows what I'm doing. I'm watching what I watch, I'm doing what I do, and I'm going to do that, and that's the way I'm going to be. Don't matter what God wants me in the, over, over Jordan or not. What, ha- what happens if you don't go all in and God's telling you to? What happens if you say, I'm going to stay on this side of the Jordan? I'm going to be like Gad and Reuben and all them. What, ha- what, what happens with that? I tell you, you the descendants, your descendants are in jeopardy. I thank God I had four grandparents. It was all in. If it wouldn't have been for them, I'm not really sure where I'd be today. It was all in. Turn with me to Numbers 32. I'm going to go through this quickly. I don't, I, Lord, I'll preach all night. Y'all got to get up and go to work. And, Numbers 32. I want to read these verses to you. And I just want to give you this. And I want to show you something. Then I'm going to ask you a question. Numbers 32, verse 26. It says right here, this, this first generation right here that said they wasn't going to go in, 
said, We'll pass over on before the Lord in the land of Canaan, verse 32, that possession of our inheritance on this side of Jordan may be ours. Okay, so they, they do that. The men that initially made this, uh, they, they'd go, they, 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 they were going to go and they were going to go in and they were going to fight. The deal was, both said, I'll give it to you, is when they go into the promised land and fight, that the men of war from Gad and Reuben, half tribe of Manasseh, will go in with them and fight and help them take the promised land. I'll give you this on this side of Jordan if you'll do that. And if you'll read God's word, they did that. They kept their promise. They kept their commitment, and they went in. Okay? They went in, and they kept that, that first generation. They, they went in, and they kept their commitment, and, 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 and they did everything that they needed to do, what they said they'd do. But, but, but here's, here's the thing. It says right here that the Word of God tells me later on that they, uh, they would go in and then come back out. The men of war would go in, they'd fight, and they'd come back out. They'd go in and fight and come back out. They'd go in and fight and come back out. And guess what they did? They never took their children, their cattle, or their wives in with them because they wouldn't stand. So right there is whole families that never get to eat of the promised land. Why? Because they said, we're not going in. You know how many churches today has got Ichabod written on them because they'd never go in? I don't know how it is out here. Every, about every two weeks I'm hearing churches over my area. Guess what they're doing? They're putting padlocks on the door. And I know a bunch right now, if something don't change, they're going to do it now. And then where our kids are going to go. You know why? People didn't get all in. That generation, that generation went away. There's all in. And I, and I say, so what happened from there? About 150 years later, a little bit after everything else had gone on, Reuben and Gad, there's division. They've got all these things coming on. They, they don't want, it, they, and it's, you can see it in Judges chapter 5, but they don't go. They decide that they're not going in anymore, so they get overtaken by the enemy because they didn't go in. If they'd have been in the promised land, the enemy wouldn't have got them, but the enemy, they was on that side of the Jordan, so they took back the land. Because why? Because that wasn't God's, that wasn't what he wanted to be. It was the devil's, that was the enemy's land. And I want to tell you, if you don't get all in, you're going to play into the devil's hand. You know what, you know what the most dangerous place in the world is to be saved? And living in the devil's territory. That's a scary place. He don't like you. So where did it all end up because they didn't go in? Turn all the way with me to the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And you're going to really, you're going to recognize this, but you may, you may know this, but I remember Mark chapter 5, and look at verse 13. It's going to be a very familiar passage of Scripture to you. It says, And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. You remember when this, you know, the, the, all, the, all, the, all the possessed people, all those demons, that leave went into the swine, and remember they run down the hill. Okay, you remember that? Entered into the swine, the herd ran violently down a steep place in the sea. They were about 2,000 were choked in the sea. And they that fed, now listen to this, they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. 
And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothing in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. You know what they said? Jesus, you, I know you took, you took, you, you got the devil out of this man right here, but it's killed our swine. We don't want you here. We don't want you in our land. They, they, they see, they ought to have been praying to him. But the word of God, that King James says, what well, that they were praying to him to leave. So this group of people that was over this livestock and over this swine, guess what? They tell him, they, they say, we don't want you. We don't want any of your promises. We don't want the blood. We don't want you. We don't want your miracles. We don't care that you say you're the Son of God. We don't want you. Get out of our land. We don't want you here. Don't you what they're saying? Look at verse 1 of that chapter. Where Jesus and the disciples came over. And they came over on the other side of the sea under the country of the Gadarenes. Tribe of Gad. That's what happens if somebody don't go all in. Then two generations later, they said they was in and out, in and out, in and out. Wasn't nothing real about it. We don't want nothing to do with it. You know what? I know a bunch of young people right now. You know what they tell me? I've seen church people in and out, up and down, don't all in, don't believe anything they say, don't want nothing to do with it because of what they said. They're the hardest ones in the world to please. You know what they'll tell me? I gotta be careful here. Man in the position. You know what? You know what one of their sons told me. Daddy may do be act like that when he's at church, but he still don't act like that at home. Daddy ain't what he preaches. See, they know. I'm going to tell you, you know how I'm going to know if I'm successful? If it ain't going to be from preaching. If it ain't going to be from preaching. Because you know what? A man don't do that. The Holy Ghost does that. That's God's Word. I'll know I'm successful if one day I'm lying in a pine box. And her and my two daughters come by and say, Daddy was real. He told us he made mistakes. He told us what it was. He told us we didn't want us to go down that road. He was what he was. He loved us. He wasn't ever perfect. He did some crazy things. And people thought he was crazy. but he tried his best to live what he preached. I don't care what you say about me. 
I don't care what any preacher says about me. But if my daughters could look in there and say he was what he said, I am a success in this world. I don't care if I've got any money, if I don't have any money, if I have any land. But if they say that, you know, if they, you know what they'll say? If they would just say this, Daddy took us over the Jordan. And he raised us on the west side of the Jordan, and he didn't leave us in the east side. And he decided somewhere down the road, somewhere, 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 he went all in. God told me to preach to you. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Are you all in? Second question. What's holding you back from getting all in? And is it of God? Young people, would you go all in at school? I know third and fourth graders that's led, that's led people to the Lord in bathrooms. Would you go all in? That young man up here singing, I'm going to leave you right here. Stood beside me in all the other night praying. I thought, Lord. Does that helps you? Oh, <laughs> I got I got a, I got a seventh grader. He's praying for me right now. He's praying every night while I'm here. Seventh grade. He's this. His teacher told me he's all in. He's he's witnessing. Teenager. You got all kinds of stuff going on. You got a boyfriend, you got a girlfriend, you got all this going on. If they care about you, they'll respect you. Well, they love me. <laughs> Be careful. Go, hey, will you go all in? What about you, young married? Maybe got little ones. You say, I just don't want to commit to that. Look at that little one. Would you go all in? I don't even know you, deep in the offices and all right here. Are you all in? Mamma and Papa, you all in? <laughs> 